Content warning. The following podcast briefly discusses suicide in the setup of these stories. Listener's discretion is advised. Wake up, sheeple. It's time for the Red String Roundup. I'm Claudia. I use she, her, and plural they, them pronouns. And I'm Camille, and I use she, her pronouns. Every episode, we are here to discuss two different conspiracy theories, talk about their evidence, and then debunk them, and of course, give you what really happened. We have a couple of interesting ones today, a couple of ones that tie into each other. Camille, what did you bring for us today? So today I'm looking at the Avril Lavigne replacement conspiracy. Very similarly, I have brought Paul is Dead, the conspiracy that Paul McCartney was killed and replaced by a body double. Two similar conspiracies from two very different times, about 40 years apart. Yeah, and I feel like the response and media attention to them also differed in a lot of interesting ways, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's start with Paul is dead. Camille, I want to set you in the scene here, okay? Gotcha. It's October 12th, 1969. You're in Detroit visiting family. Turn the radio to WKNR-FM in the afternoon. Your favorite disc jockey, Russ Gibb, gets a call from a college student named Tom. Tom says that Paul McCartney is dead. Not just that he's dead, that he's been dead for three years and he was replaced by a body double. It's a rumor that you've heard go around your campus once or twice, half remembered through the haze of bong cloud, But now Russ and Tom are talking about clues in Beatles records, songs played backwards, phone numbers hidden upside down on album covers, photographs and art that show Paul being set apart from the group. Russ talks about the rumor and the clues with the callers for another half hour. It's October 14th. You've returned to your college campus at the University of Michigan. Go Wolverines. You pick up a copy of the Michigan Daily, your school's paper. It's the last one left after a student's mad dash to get a copy. There is a review of the latest Beatles album, Abbey Road, by fellow student Fred Labore. But it's not just any review. The review goes through the album point by point, discussing all the clues that point to Paul McCartney being an imposter. It's a week later, October 21st. You're in New York. You've been traveling a lot this month. Your plane got in really late. It's almost half past midnight when you get into your taxi. The quiet radio tuned to WABC. As you ride to your destination, your other favorite disc jockey, Robbie Young, starts talking about these rumors circulating about Paul McCartney. He sounds angry, a little frenzied over the light static of the speakers. He says he's going to talk about it because there's no one else at the station this late to stop him. He talks about clues and conspiracies for over an hour before he's pulled off the air. The driver turns the radio down. He asks if you've heard about this before tonight. Yes, you reply with a weary voice. It's all I can think about. Robbie Young is fired the next day. It doesn't stop the rumors. Now that you are properly in the scene here, let's discuss what the actual conspiracy is. Have you heard of this before? 
Yeah, I have. I remembered I watched the big movie about it way back in high school, but mm-hmm. I have not retained a lot of that movie by now. Completely fair. I actually haven't seen any of the movies about this. My confession is I used to be pretty into this in high school, not in like a actually believing it kind of way, but in a like thinking it's really interesting kind of way. Yeah. So the premise of this conspiracy theory, on November 9th, 1966, Paul McCartney had a fight with Ringo Starr in the early hours of the morning. He left the studio in a huff and got into his car to drive somewhere, anywhere, to blow off some steam. On a back road, he swerved to avoid a truck that veered a little too far into his lane and crashed into a tree and was decapitated. Local police worked with the British government to keep the death quiet until they could figure out what to do. They didn't want to announce it publicly, if possible, for fear of mass suicides of fans. So they worked with the remaining Beatles and the record label to find a replacement, someone who looked almost exactly like Paul. And they found one in a lookalike contest in Ontario, Canada, William Shears Campbell. Shears had minor surgery to fix up any small details that fans might notice, growing a mustache afterwards to cover up one of these surgery scars. But Shears did not fit into the group very well. Other Beatles were racked with guilt and didn't want to fully accept him. They couldn't directly tell anyone, but they could hide clues in their work. Surely people would put the pieces together. So let's talk about some of these quote-unquote clues. First of all, we're going to start with the cover art for Sgt. Pepper, released in 1967. So pretty soon after the alleged death of Paul McCartney. Trying to give you a high-res version. Because <laughs> you're going to need to need to see some details here, Camille. Of course, of course. Okay, well, this is the best <laughs> I can do for this moment. But it is in in keeping with the theme because uh, Beatles fans were working off of not terribly high-res images. I am zooming in on this. Okay. The first thing that I want you to notice here is that this entire album cover has the look and feel of a funeral. Mm-hmm. You know, with this drum head in the center as a sort of gravestone. If you notice, there are some, uh, some small details here that are interesting. On the very right-hand side, do you see the doll above the, like, purple and yellow flowers? Yeah, I do. So on the doll's knee is a white car that if you if you put your face directly against the album art, you can see <laughs> actually has a red interior covered in blood. Oh. And on the other side of the doll, a driving glove that also has some shades of red on it, symbolizing the motor vehicle accident. Then I want you to look at the yellow flowers below the flowers that spell out Beatles. These flowers are in the shape of a guitar, but not any guitar, a bass guitar. There's only four quote unquote strings on it. Oh, okay. And if you look closely, those flowers seem to spell out Paul? Question mark. There are little gaps between them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I can almost see it. That's all you need. The L and the U kind of blur together there. Yeah, they they definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, I'm going to ask you to uh, to look above Paul McCartney in blue here, mm-hmm. and you'll notice that the cutout behind him is actually holding a, a hand over his head, an open-palmed hand. That is actually a symbol of death in, I believe, Indian cultures. The hand over the head, that is going to be a, uh, a recurring theme. I'm not going to meticulously go over every single hand over the head in Beatles' artwork, <laughs> but it does show up a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, coincidence? I think not. Especially considering, like, 
Weren't the Beatles heavily influenced by a lot of Indian music and culture? They were. This was really the first album to start featuring some of that work. Uh, the song Within You and Without You mm-hmm. features a lot of like heavy sitar. Speaking of Within You Without You, I was going to get into this in a little bit, but that is the first of three morning songs for Paul. Each of the Beatles gets a, a morning song about their feelings on Paul's death. Most notably, I want to highlight the lyrics here. And the people who hide themselves behind a wall of illusion never glimpse the truth. Then it's far too late. Life flows on within you and without you. Mm. Going back to the cover real quick, the most damning piece of evidence, if you'll take a look at this, if you put a mirror up against the album cutting right through the center of this drum, it spells out something. If you'll notice, it says, like the number one, one O-N-E, I-X, the Roman numeral nine, he died. Mm-hmm. November 9th, he died. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. And one last cover image before we get into some song lyrics here. So this is actually the back cover of Sgt. Pepper. If you'll notice, three of the Beatles face the camera while Paul faces away. Yep. And you can't see it on this absolutely abysmal quality image. My God. I think this has maybe evil pixels. Yeah, absolutely fried. But George actually has his thumb out, kind of given a thumbs up, but he's actually pointing to a lyric. Oh. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. And November 9th of 1966 was a Wednesday. I see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A couple of interesting lyrics. Billy Shears is, of course, mentioned by name in in the opening song. He's the singer of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm -hmm. The song Getting Better is about how Billy is getting better all the time at pretending to be Paul McCartney. The song Good Morning, Good Morning describes the immediate aftermath of the car accident. Nothing to do, save his life, call his wife in. And, of course, probably the most famous, A Day in the Life, features a lot of discussion of a car accident. Although the news was rather sad, I just had to laugh. I saw the photograph. He blew his mind out in the car. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. A crowd of people stood and stared. They'd seen his face before. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably the most detailed I will go on an album here. Got it. There are some interesting ones with Magical Mystery Tour. Magical Mystery Tour is the uh, first Beatles album that features the character of the walrus. Once again, Paul McCartney is actually in the hippo outfit here, quote unquote hippo. Very few of these animals look (laughs) terribly convincing. It's finally like loaded and I'm just, I love the like weird bunny hat there. Yeah, honestly, they creep me out so much. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So once again, if you notice that Paul McCartney, he's in the hippo costume on the left. He has the hand above his head or behind his head. And this features the walrus there. A walrus was actually a bad omen in ancient Viking culture. And additionally, Lewis Carroll had a character called the walrus from the poem The Walrus and the Carpenter. The walrus is a known deceiver and trickster. And one of my favorite little things in all of Paul is Dead, if you turn the album upside down and you look in a mirror, you'll notice that the stars that spell out Beatles will give you a phone number. If you call that phone number Wednesday morning at 5 a.m., it's said that one of three things will happen. The first option, a voice comes on and says, you're getting closer, Jack, before hanging up. The second one is Billy Shears himself comes on 
and he will quiz you on Beatles trivia, promising to send you tickets to Pepperland. Some students allegedly got these tickets, which were stamps laced with LSD, <laughs> and a student allegedly ended up jumping out of a window to his death while high. Or a farmer who is sick of people calling him at 5 a.m. and waking him up. This poor farmer. That was the most common one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Additionally, there's a scene in the film where they're in tuxedos and wearing boutonnieres. Mm -hmm. John, George, and Ringo all have red boutonnieres, where Paul has a black one. Oh. Mm -hmm. Another visual distinction of Paul. And I would be remiss to leave out the fact that at the end of Strawberry Fields, you can hear John at the end saying very quietly, I buried Paul. And I will, of course, play these for our dear listeners as well. Of course. Huh. Mm-hmm. Arguably the most famous clue. Yeah, especially because it's not like backwards or anything. Mm-hmm. So two more albums to go through real quick. White Album, I don't even have to send you anything because the White Album, as you may know, is just stark white. Mm-hmm. With, uh, it had the words The Beatles in like raised print on the cover. So no album artwork to decipher here, unless I want to get absolutely batshit and make something up. But we're going to be talking about four songs here. Glass Onion. First of all, Glass Onion is, as we all know, the term for a coffin with a glass lid. And that song tells us, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. And then we have the remaining two morning songs. We have Don't Pass Me By, which is Ringo's song. And it tells the story of him waiting for Paul McCartney to come back after their fight. I listen for your footsteps coming up the drive. I listen for your footsteps, but they don't arrive. And later in the song, I'm sorry that I doubted you. I was so unfair. You were in a car crash and you lost your hair. Oh. And John's song, I'm so tired, describes the guilt and insomnia he faced after Paul's death. You'd say I'm putting you on, but it's no joke. It's doing me harm. You know, I can't sleep. I can't stop my brain. You know, it's three weeks, I'm going insane. You know, I'd give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. And then at the very end, if you play John's mumbling backwards, it says, Paul is a dead man. Miss him. Miss him. Miss him. Oh. I see your face. You're, you're enraptured. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also like looking at the lyrics transcript that someone put up on this one. I'm like, oh, I can see these now, but it took a second. Did they put in the whole like backwards lyrics? Oh yeah, the like the entire song. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like I really like the bit where they go like Lucifer was in mourning and I stole somehow, and more and more and more, (laughs) then Lucifer suddenly escaped from me, and right now I wish I know why, and I'm nauseous now, man. And I'm like, okay. Wow, this is some feelings here. This is way different. (laughs) This is way more than I ever saw. Yeah. I like this part here that says, release me. Ooh, I wish I was not a beetle. Yes. I'm like, wow. I was just hearing backwards noises, but then that bit, I was like, okay. Yeah. I love this. So I got one more for you here. Alrighty. We all know Revolution 9, yes. the like nine minute long avant-garde art song. But here is the first like 40, well, the first 40 seconds of the song, but they're the last 40 seconds if you reverse the entire song. And you'll hear what is normally number nine becomes 
Turn me on, dead man. Yeah, that one's so audible compared to the last one. Yeah, it's very clear. So moving on to our final album we're talking about here, Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. The cover of Abbey Road, very famous cover, but did you know it's a funeral procession? Is it? It is. You see, the four Beatles are crossing the road here, leaving a graveyard. John, at the front, dressed in white, is the priest. Ringo, dressed all in black, is the undertaker. George, wearing blue denim all over, is the grave digger, the last to leave the graveyard. And then Paul, it's the corpse, not wearing shoes, of course, because... You don't need shoes if you're dead. People typically aren't buried with shoes in England. Mm. And he's holding a cigarette, a coffin nail, so-called in the 60s. And he's holding it in his right hand. Paul McCartney was very famously left-handed. So if I may turn your attention to the white beetle in the background, if you'll notice the license plate of said car says LMW28IF. And of course, we all know that this means... The top three letters mean Linda McCartney weeps, Paul's then then wife. Well, it would be if he was still alive. Of course. And speaking of, Paul would be 28 if he was still alive when Abbey Road came out. I see. Mm-hmm. And then the back cover real quick. So, if you'll notice here, right next to the word Beatles on the back cover, there's this series of like eight dots. If you connect those dots together, you can make a number three. Three Beatles. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Some other small things. Uh, Paul's eye color between 66 and the rest of his career changed from brown to green. New Paul appears to be a different height than old Paul, different ear shapes, and his bass style changed. Really? Yeah. I'm not a bass expert, but this is <laughs> this is what my sources have told me. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So now that you've been completely enraptured by these clues, do you want to hear the truth? Absolutely. Hit me with it. Okay. So the reality is Paul McCartney is still alive. He he turned 80 this year. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did get into a moped accident around 1965, which left him with a scar that he covered up with a mustache. Mm-hmm. His eyes have always had a little bit of green in them. It only really shows up in good lighting. And here's uh, something kind of damning. Playing anything backwards and then telling someone what it says will make them able to hear it that way, generally. Yep. It even really works forwards. Because at the end of Strawberry Fields, John isn't saying, I buried Paul. You actually hear in a different take that he's saying cranberry sauce. Oh. Yeah, cranberry sauce. That's apparently John's style of humor, where he just references a completely different fruit at the end of the Strawberry Fields song. Of course. All these clues are either coincidence or misunderstanding. My favorite, the 28-if license. It's not only incorrect in the sense that Paul McCartney was actually like 27 
when Abbey Road came out, mm-hmm. the license actually doesn't even say 28IF. It says 281F. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> In fact, the student who wrote up the review of Abbey Road that listed all of these clues fully admitted that he wrote it as a joke and made them all up. The only clue with any merit whatsoever is Glass Onion, which the whole song of Glass Onion is actually making fun of people for reading too hard into Beatles music as though they were inspecting it with a monocle, which is the actual meaning of what a glass onion is. I, I lied to you saying it was a coffin with a glass top. Okay, because I, I was wondering, because i only seen it in reference to the new Knives Out movie, and so I was yeah. like, okay, sure, I guess that is what it is. Believe me, it was hard to Google, uh, <laughs> what does glass onion mean <laughs> now that the sequel to Knives Out is out? So John threw in the Walworths was Paul as another joke. Got it. Like, here's another clue. Go go think about that one for a while. Go fetch. Yeah. And in fact, there are a lot of people who will say, like, the walrus in Magical Mystery Tour was Paul. But no, it was actually John. Paul was the hippo, as we mentioned. Yeah. And another really funny one that I love, the single black boutonniere mm-hmm. that was given to Paul. It happened because they ran out of red boutonnieres. Yeah, they just only had three for some reason. Which raises the question, why give it to Paul? Paul liked to stand out. If you look through a lot of like photos before and after his supposed death, Paul always likes to do little things to stand out in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. One album that was released pre-66, that was Yesterday and Today, I believe. It's a compilation album. Mm-hmm. John, George, and Ringo are standing behind this big, like, luggage trunk and Paul is sitting in front of it like once again visually separating him from the group mm-hmm. John once said quote Paul's always got a blue ear meaning he, <laughs> he always likes to do like one small thing yeah every visual distinction of Paul can be explained by this and honestly the most damning bit of evidence against this is the fact that this would be fucking impossible to keep a secret Paul could not breathe without news being about him in 1966. And it's been 60 years almost. Somebody would have said something at this point. DNA tests, blood tests, all of that. It's around. You have to go through the medical system. Actually, I do have one quick question. Mm -hmm. With albums before he allegedly died, do they Mm -hmm. do the same thing with him with him standing out sometimes before any of this happened? Yeah, yesterday and today is a is a good example there. All sorts of weird little things. Huh? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I find this very fun. One of the reasons I really enjoy this is because it's just a fun way to look at this art. Mm -hmm. I like listening to the White Album and hearing Don't Pass Me By and being like, ah, Yeah, it kind of like adds that level of like, oh, there's something hidden here. And sometimes it's fun to pretend that there are puzzles and mysteries to solve in that way. Exactly. Yeah. As long as one steps back and realizes, you know, you're looking for something that's not there. Exactly. Yeah. So Camille, do you want to go into your imposter? Yeah, absolutely. So it's less of kind of setting the scene that I would say it's kind of more just watching time skip and jump and repeat mm-hmm. so imagine that you are on twitter in 2017 
and someone has decided to make a viral Twitter thread. And the viral Twitter thread essentially reads like, Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by an imposter. I have evidence in the links below. And there's just this long, like 40 tweet long thread explaining the conspiracy and explaining what went down. The general gist that this thread goes into is in 2003, Avril Lavigne, who at that point was about 17 or 18, she'd been signed. She had her first album that was released in 2002, was generally well known for doing pop punk music, had a very grunge look as a 17 year old, 16 year old who was just starting to get into this music. Her big one from that album was Skater Boy and Complicated, the two big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Good songs. Fun songs. I love to blare those late at night. And so the conspiracy essentially went in 2003, fame plus family death. Most people say it was like her grandfather led led to her committing suicide right after her like debut album, Let Go. However, her publicists were like, she is at the peak of her career right now. This is a breakout star. We cannot let anyone know that she has died because we still need to capitalize on this. And so the whole conspiracy goes on to be like, so they hired a replacement named Melissa who looked like her, who was hired before her death to act as a stunt double to distract paparazzi. And the thread goes on to like provide all of these example images, so on and so forth. Keeps going on like that. There's things in the lyrics, there's things like that. Basically the argument boils down to a lot of like looking at aesthetic things, looking at changes in personality and media appearances. Now we skip back to 2015 where the same conspiracy also goes viral on Twitter again because a BuzzFeed reporter visited BuzzFeed in Brazil. This BuzzFeed reporter named Ryan Broderick visited the BuzzFeed offices in Brazil and was like, hey, check out this conspiracy theory that's popular in Brazil. And he links a website. Everyone starts retweeting it. Everyone starts kind of like writing think pieces on it. It goes viral back in 2015. And then we skip back once again to 2011 when the original website was made. The website is a Brazilian blog called Avril Esta Morta, Avril is Dead, um, that was run by Brazilian fans who had put together this whole conspiracy that Avril is dead, which is why in some of the images and evidence that I'm going to show you in a minute, mm-hmm. it's often written in Portuguese, okay. which adds another level to all of it in some ways. So, like I said, a lot of the kind of evidence for this conspiracy comes from looking at her appearance and looking at shifts in her appearance as well as looking at her media presence and looking at some little hints in the lyrics like Mm -hmm. one does. It's far less kind of aesthetically reaching than the Paul is dead one, but Mm -hmm. it's still a lot of like, and I'll go into this in a minute, it's still lots of like little bite-sized bits of evidence that make your kind of brain light up that can be shared super easily. So the big one that people like to bring up is that her moles change. Uh-huh. She's got like a bunch of like moles on one of her arms. So a lot of people have made like comparisons of where her moles are as a way of saying, look at these feature changes. This is the same person I'm about to send the image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's take a look. Okay, so the one on the left is the real one or the one on the right? Yeah, the one on the left is, um, as you can also see, one of the other big arguments for Avril having been replaced is like a lot of like her aesthetic changes. So they're like, she dyed her hair blonde. This must be a different person. So the kind of like cue in a lot of these images is what is the color of her hair? 
Mm-hmm. And blonde Avril is fake Avril. Yes. Okay. So it seems like she gained a few moles. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. And also some people are like, she hid some, things like that. Mm-hmm. The other one is looking at other like facial blemishes that she has and also this is another one where you can see like in the first image she's got fairly standard like straight brown hair there's no changes to it in the second two she has blonde hair that's got pink streaks which for a lot of people felt like a big break from her earlier grunge aesthetic Mm -hmm. okay so she is missing that second mark yep there you go i will say these do look like different people. Yeah, no, the difference in face shape is something that I kept noticing of like, it might have been the lighting, but it's like, oh, the face just feels different. It feels like wider rather than longer. Exactly, yeah. And then we go ahead and go to the aesthetic evidence, like I mentioned. A big thing for Avril in her first album in 2002 was that she had a very grunge kind of tomboy adjacent type aesthetic she wore a lot of stuff with like ties she didn't do anything with her hair and then you got to her next album and for that album she kind of shifted into more like 2003 goth so a lot of black a lot more dresses and skirts she dyed her hair blonde things like that and can like see that kind of shift and progression over the course of her career going kind of more blonde, more femme, Harper's Bazaar type photo shoots and things like that. And so a lot of people like feel like there's a discrepancy between her aesthetic, even a few years later, and her aesthetic in her first album. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, it's a different person. And then finally, like, the big piece of evidence for a lot of her stuff is the lyrics from her second album. There's this one song that's Nobody's Home. A lot of people argued that it's a song written from the perspective of Melissa, who is the name that's commonly given to the replacement. And it's kind of from her perspective talking about like Avril's death and how nobody knows about it. There's nobody home in Avril's house. It's just Melissa now. Interesting. Yeah. She wants to go home, but nobody's home. It's where she lies. Exactly. And then the other one is My Happy Ending. My Happy Ending has a very similar feel to it don't leave me hanging in a city so dead held up so high on such a breakable thread is the big thing big like hanging imagery exactly or like all this time you were pretending so much for my happy ending Mm. kind of hinting at someone else playing this whole double life interesting exactly can I highlight one more interesting lyric in, in Happy Ending? Please do. But they don't know me. Do they even know you? Oh, oh yeah. I think that's neat. It's a really good one. And then the big, big piece of evidence that everyone brings up for it is a photo shoot that Avril did. Essentially, she basically did a photo shoot where she has her hand raised up to the camera and it just says Melissa. Huh. Yeah. And so people were like, oh, that must be the name of the body double. Look at this. Look at this evidence. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that all holds up? I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's all rock solid in the eyes of the fans. Do you want to know the twist to it? Yeah, I do want to know. The blog that was made in 2011, completely fake. They made it as evidence of how you can easily start an internet conspiracy. Oh my god, are you kidding me? 
Exactly. Like the entire thing was fabricated from the start. And here's where it gets more fun. So Ryan Broderick, the BuzzFeed reporter who like repopularized the theory within like English speaking audiences in like 2015, he posted it because it's an inside joke in like Brazilian fans. Like they just think it's funny. Okay. He shared it because he also thought it was funny. And then it went viral. And then like a few days later, he had to make a big BuzzFeed apology post like, (laughs) hey, I didn't mean to start another conspiracy theory. I was just sharing a joke. That is very funny. So this is like the Brazilian equivalent of like when people point out triangles and like Beyonce and Kanye's pictures and just like draw them over and say Illuminati. Exactly. You do get people who try to make it have resurgences. Like I said, in 2017, someone found it again and made a viral Twitter thread about it. That's where I first heard about it in 2017. Yeah. Exactly. What is fun, one piece of evidence that some people like to bring up from 2017, she did a live stream where she basically denied the theory, but some people said she never flat out denied it. She said that people are bored and need something to speculate about and that, no, I'm not dead. I'm here. There's also some radio jockeys that was like, there's weird technical interference in this live stream. Something is up with it. Oh, you got to play that shit backwards. Exactly. No, I'm not dead. I'm here. I'm not dead. I'm Owen. I think what also is incredibly funny here is that in 2013, there is an unrelated death hoax about her. Really? Someone was just like, hey, Avril died in a snowboarding accident. And they replaced her after that. So you also have one that's like completely disconnected from fans in Brazil just having a good time to do this. Why Avril Lavigne, though? I think she had a really big fan base in Brazil. Like, there were really big Facebook pages for her and forums for her. I think there also were just a lot of accessible images of her. Yeah, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I don't know why she picked it. They picked it. I think part of it is also, like, there is a lot of emo-ness to her earlier lyrics. It's very easy to kind of, like connect the dots on Mm -hmm. what's also fun is like the reason why a lot of people say this like theory kind of repeats and keeps coming back and people keep sharing it is that it's very visually oriented like you can kind of like put all the side-by-side pictures that i sent you you can put them side by side you can share them in a twitter thread you can take a screenshot of the lyrics you can very quickly share them and be like oh my god look at this look at what i just found that makes sense yeah so it's very like social media oriented and very much designed to be something that's marketed and shared through social media just to kind of like get an upsurgence. I think what also is really funny is in 2017, in response to this, you got a whole wave of X died and was replaced by a double memes where you just get people kind of like very randomly comparing like photos of rebrands and photos of things changing. I think it's also like To go back to why her, I think it was pretty easy to get photos of her that didn't look alike because you have to remember that she was like 17 when her first album came out. And like the way that your face and body changes between like late teens and early 20s is a lot. Very true. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really easy to just get evidence from her, especially since it was like mostly started in 2011. So they had like this big retrospective to look back on. Okay. Two things I'm thinking right now. One is 
comparing our two theories here, I've noticed that yours is way more cynical. Really? In the Paul is dead theory, his death was covered up for the perceived benefit of the public so that nobody would have to have to go through the trauma of, of this major celebrity dying. Whereas the Avril Lavigne one says that she was replaced so that people could keep making money off of her. Yeah, the big kind of thing there that I had omitted a little bit was a lot of the original conspiracy is like she'd finished most of her second album and they mm-hmm. still wanted to be able to release it. And also if they got a double, they could still release it because they wouldn't have to like teach her how to sing yet. Okay, so they, they would have bought themselves some time. Exactly. Okay. The other thing is that I find it very funny, the fact that she addressed it and people were still like, uh-uh. Because Paul McCartney has addressed the rumors like several times. Every few years, somebody will end up asking him about it in an interview. And in more recent years, he's come to think it's funny. Mm-hmm. In 1993, he actually put out a like album of live concert he did. And for the album art, he like recreated the Abbey Road photo shoot, except it's him like walking his dog across the street. And he is most notably wearing shoes. And there is a a white beetle in the background that says like 58 is because he was like 58 at the time of that album's release. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But one of the several things where people were like, aha, in late October of 69, right when this rumor was like really starting up, I think it was Time Magazine or something did an interview with him talking about this rumor. And he was like, no, I'm I'm still alive. And he was like the cover photo of it, too. And people were like, (laughs) but if you open it up and hold it up to the light, you'll notice the other side of this is a car ad and the car goes (sighs) right through his head. Oh, my God. Whatever intern decided the layout of (laughs) of those ads (laughs) did so much work for the conspiracy theory community then oh i love that that reminds (laughs) me of my favorite terrible bit of evidence which is some people just being like why would she marry chad from nickelback (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah Yeah. (sighs) but yeah it's so interesting how these like theories come back in cycles and people kind of like want to revisit them and re-explore them kind of re-explode them for a bit every now and then yeah, the Paul is Dead has gone cycles too, where, you know, the initial boom in the late 60s, early 70s, and then 8-tracks and cassettes got popular, and you couldn't really reverse those, and so that died out. And then CDs make it a little bit easier, and then the internet comes along and it blows up again. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it clearly was so much easier to make the Avril Lavigne rumor stick than the Paul McCartney one. There were rumors for years before that first call to that radio station. Mm-hmm. And it only then picked up basically by chance that DJ who I mentioned got fired the next day after talking about Paul McCartney's quote unquote death on the air. He was actually going to be fired anyway. He even says right before he starts talking about it that they didn't renew his contract and that in two weeks time he wouldn't be doing this show anymore mm-hmm. and he's like so fuck it i'm gonna do whatever i want and he actually did get fired the next day for breaking like format <laughs> he was going to have two weeks but then they were like get your ass out of here kicked him out the door anyway oh my yeah. god 
Yeah, no, like the difference in kind of media attention and how easy it is for anyone to grab media attention with the internet mm-hmm. really seems to be like the divisive factor and like the spread of these and the immediacy of these. Because like the thing I mentioned with both 2017 and 2015 with it going viral on like predominantly English speaking websites is that all of the like BuzzFeed, Vice, Vox, all those outlets like immediately publish an explainer to break Mm -hmm. down the theory for people. There is like something that was like Vice did like a little video that also went viral on Twitter. Everyone latched on to like, what is this momentary buzz of excitement? Which yeah. spread it further than like an audience that just uses social media. Yeah. I'll say there seems to have been sometime between when I last was really into this and now. So like sometime between like 2010 and now, there seems mm-hmm. to have been like a concerted effort to start removing Paul is Dead sites from the internet. Really? Yeah. There was like a really like big database that I just cannot find anymore. It's just fucking gone. I would look for it on the Wayback Machine, but unfortunately, I literally do not remember what this site is called. I went to fucking r slash tip of my tongue. (laughs) I looked through every fucking stupid thing. I could not find it. So I had to go with most of these clues from memory. So yeah, it's more of a general push to like start pushing conspiracy theories back underground because of, you know, the actual real world danger that some of them cause. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why Paul is dead specifically, but doing research for this was a bit harder than I anticipated. That's so interesting, because at least my perception of it is that it's so commonplace and people know so much about it that it's kind of accepted as like, oh, that's a fun conspiracy theory. We can let it be because yeah. it isn't having like the real world material consequences that yeah. a lot of other conspiracies have. Yeah. Also, let it be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Camille, let's talk about what obviously really happened. Of course. What do you think really happened to Avril Lavigne? I tend to go with the 2012 version, where (laughs) one of the big things that you saw in a lot of discussions is that Avril hated paparazzi. She hated public speaking. She just did not like that element of being a performer. Mm -hmm. So I simply think that she asked them to fake her own death. She got someone else to stand in for her and then she got to go live her life and like do whatever she wanted. Maybe she gets to like hang out in skate parks and like spook kids that were really into her music, but she gets to just kind of live and vibe and Melissa gets to have the spotlight and have fun with the spotlight and do songs with Nicki Minaj now. It's a good deal. Yeah. Except of course the record company didn't actually do anything to fake her death. So they just went, ah, fuck it, whatever. Exactly. They had to find someone else to step in. (laughs) So what do you think about the Paul is Dead theory? So in like 1970, there was this Batman comic that was kind of a play on the rumor. He and Robin investigate this Beatles-esque band that rumor has it one of them is dead. The twist in that comic is it turns out that that member is actually still alive and the other three are dead. And the record company put out this rumor that the other guy is dead to throw everyone off. I think that one is very fun, but I will go one further here. Paul McCartney never existed. Okay. There were only ever three Beatles, and John and George alternated who played bass and studio songs. 
for film and concerts. They had a rotating series of similar looking actors play Paul because he never really looked quite the same. Mm-hmm. Once they stopped touring, they brought back some of those actors for an occasional interview. And then years later, after the band broke up, one of those actors started up his own band and got permission from the Beatles to use the Paul name and persona to promote himself. And the name stuck ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask, what about him now? Like him and his dog? Yeah, that is just one of the actors who used to play Paul. He technically is Paul McCartney. Yeah, I love that one. The Beatles were just too cheap to hire a bassist. Yeah, once you can hire doubles, why not go for it? Exactly. I think that about does it. Do you have any final word on these? Not that I can think of. Cool, yeah. I think this basically covers it. Yep. So listeners, please know that if we ever do this podcast again, it is because we have been uh, killed and replaced by doubles. Exactly. Someone really just wanted to have a final word on it. Exactly. Camille, where can they find you on uh, social media? You can find me on Twitter at Hedgefruit. Cool. I can be found on Twitter at PunkDyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. Can't believe nobody had that app. That's impressive. Thank you. You know, I say that to my co-host every week and she's just kind of gone numb to it, but it really is astonishing. Yeah, that's like half of my friends. So I'm like, (laughs) no one else wanted to grab that. I guess not. All right. Well, until next time, go back to sleep, sheeple. Sheeple.